Give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen is a fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness from the inside out. Happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Each week, Lisa shines her light on well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Lisa Cypress-Kamen is a widely recognized applied positive psychology coach, author, documentary filmmaker, and lecturer specializing in the fields of sustainable happiness, mindfulness, and integrated well-being. Let's get to it. Here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, broadcasting consciously prepared brain food from the beaches of Malibu, California. Each week, we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face. No, no, no. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish egotistical or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is most definitely all about the heart. Today we are talking about courageously earnest conversations about life and death. My first guest, Amy Wallace, grew up in the Boston area, graduating from Wellesley College, then migrating to Northern California, her home for most of the past 40 years. Having drifted into the world of software sales, her first purposeful career took her to the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology, now known as Sophia University. It was there she earned a master's degree in counseling psychology. Amy's always had the gift of observing what's not being talked about and inviting people to discuss it. The biggest elephant in the room? Death. We are all going to experience it, so why not talk about it and become more comfortable with it? After several years of research, she wrote, Fear of Death. It's about life, actually. Let's talk about it. And that's what we're going to do this morning. Welcome, Amy. Thank you very much, Lisa. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. This is a subject that I actually have just begun co-facilitating a group on at a senior center. So our conversation is timely because the clients there were asking to enter into a dialogue about, you know, crossing the threshold into the unknown. Yeah. Yeah, it's something that it, it's kind of amazing to realize that people who might be very close to death haven't talked about it or thought about it, or at least not out loud, um, which is true of many of us. Well, yeah, we think it's like the C word, you know, or the L right. word. Right. 
<laughs> in my house, we didn't mention the C word, you know, cancer was never mentioned, you know, or right. the L word when, when, when love is in bloom, when you're a young person that, you know, who's going to be the first to say that. And the D word <laughs> is something that the closer we get to its door, um, the, perhaps the more frightening of a concept it becomes. Right. And that's really why I wrote this book, because, um, yeah, it, 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 I assume everybody knows the expression, but I'll just be sure the um, the elephant in the room, the thing we're not talking about, the big looming thing that nobody's mentioning. And I think that, that death, at least in this culture, is the biggest elephant in the room, because it's there for all of us, whether whether we're conscious of it or not, it's it's always in the background. We know it's coming. We can avoid taxes somehow, but we can't avoid death. And the the I, I think it drives us, whether it's again conscious or unconscious, and whether it's in a positive way or a negative way. And you know how they'll they'll tell you if you have a recurring dream where there's a monster chasing you. The thing to do at the point that you're aware enough in your dream is to turn around and face the monster, and it tends to disappear, or at least you now have a different relationship with it. So I actually think death is is maybe one of the most important parts of life, and that how we approach it, how we experience it, um, is, is so important to, to kind of put a capstone on this life, but also um, what might be coming after and how we're entering into that next phase or next level of consciousness, however you see it. I agree. And what was interesting in my experience with starting this group, uh, and, and, and I don't have a professional experience with end-of-life issues. I just was curious to go there with this group of people who I felt were very courageous to want to engage in the dialogue. And it wasn't about, you know, estate planning. It was about emotional planning. It was about spiritual planning. It was about really having what came to be more of a discussion about living and how to be more fully alive in what, in the time that remains. Exactly. I, there's a little quote from Teek Nathan that I love and you know, people talk a lot about what happens when I die. And he says, the more important question to ask ourselves is, what happens before I die? And that's yeah. really why I wrote the book. Because for me, I, I have another one of my passions or obsessions is for being complete at any moment. And by that, I mean that that I don't have un, things unsaid or undone or things I wish I hadn't done or said so that sometimes I actually use the possibility of dying in this next moment as a, a decision tool or as a, a measurement for me to ask myself, if I were to die or if this person were to die before I saw them again, is there anything incomplete? Is there anything I would wish to have done? And um, that's actually very helpful for me. It sounds maybe drastic, but it's helpful for me to to test whether I have anything incomplete with somebody. Ah, I like this, the completeness of it all. Uh, and and being able to assess one's state of completeness with relationships, with the period of time that we are in, and not as it relates directly to death, but 
actually the 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 full life cycle which we go through so many times in our lives or the most happy of us tend to embrace the fact that we have this this cycle of birth life death and renewal multiple times that occur yep absolutely um let's talk about the courage required to talk about death because courage is what is required to kind of go there and say how do i want this to look Mm-hmm. Well, I think there is a certain amount of courage involved. Um, the interesting thing for me is once I started exploring it and reading and finding out all the resources and also finding out that that so many other people really did want to talk about it as well, I found it didn't take as much courage as I thought it might. Um, and when I also when I look at the upside, of, of thinking about death, then I realized, you know, there's, there's more positive to engaging in this inquiry than negative. And one of the things I look at in my book is why people don't usually talk about it. Um, and the biggest thing I think is fear, different kinds of fear, fear of a horrible process or pain or fear of the unknown. Um, but I think the the more that you talk about it and the more you read about it, or the more you time the more time you spend with uh, people who are dying, if that's if that's a, an opportunity you have, um, the more you realize this is an awesome opportunity to uh, to be complete for yourself, to be present with other people. Um, and I'm sort of getting off what what you originally said. I think you were talking about courage. Uh, again, I think it's the more that we uh, talk about it and get ourselves close to it, the less courage it requires. Imagine how much courage it takes to die if you haven't ever thought about these things in advance. To me, that's even more scary to to die with all these <clears throat> fears or incompletions and. That's one of the things I want to avoid. So it's actually sort of a a coward's way of of approaching death. I want to make sure I've done everything I can do to not have it be a scary experience at the time. Very good point. And 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 the and the concept or notion of being courageous comes up in in reverse. Like I go to the place where I ask the questions, if I'm afraid to die, where have I been afraid to truly live? Yes. Or wh- why am I afraid to die? In other words, what's what's missing? I, I think it's uh, it's actually useful to, in fact, I have a, an exercise in the book where I invite people to imagine that suddenly they realize they're dying. And this brings up a wealth of information about how to continue living. Because you're, what's going to come up is, Oh gosh, I never did that. I I wish I had done this. I I really w- wanted to get around to doing that. I mean, and I'm talking about things like the so-called bucket list, things that you wanted to do or places you wanted to go, but also general accomplishment. I I think we live with so many ideas of what we should have accomplished by now, yes. and certainly death is the the final um, opportunity for us to to say, you know what, I didn't, I didn't get that done and that's okay. So there's self-forgiveness involved, there's forgiving others involved, 
But there's also this information that says, okay, here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid I'm going to die still incomplete with my father or still incomplete about relationships. Well, then that gives you information about what to, what to do now, what to take steps in order to, what kinds of steps to take in order to feel complete when you die. And it's just kind of an exciting way to live life because then you're not, you don't, you realize you don't have time to fool around with the fluff or the really, the, the stuff that you're not passionate about doing or not interested in doing. You have a list of the things that you know you really want to do or the things that you can let go of. So you make a very good point. It, 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 the consciousness of the fact that this body and this life that we are living in the moment is going to come to an end at some point raises our awareness to dive more deeply into the life and time that we have left. And I want to give our listeners your contact information. The website is www.aboutlifeactually.com. Amy Wallace's book is entitled Fear of Death. It's about life, actually. Let's Talk About It can be found online and in bookstores. We're going to dance off to a break, and we will be right back, and that's a promise. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Happiness is an inside job. Wear the message on t-shirts, baseball caps, sterling silver designer jewelry, and more. Please visit our online boutique at www.harvestinghappiness.com. Are you or do you know a returning U.S. military man or woman in need of restoring joy in their lives? Did you know that our nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, offers stigma-free combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration programming? Check us out at www.hh4heroes.org. That's HH, the number four, and heroes.org. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress Kamen has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we are having a courageous conversation and exploring our fear of death with author and psychologist Amy Wallace. She's written a book entitled Fear of Death. It's about life, actually. Let's talk about it. And prior to the break, we were talking about 
Amy's perspective on completeness, about having completed um, events, relationships, and life cycles as a way for us to make it okay for ourselves or at least um, more acceptable when it's time to go. And I, and I do think that's a very interesting strategy. I have a client um, that was part of this group that we just started at the Malibu Senior Center, actually in Malibu, California. The clients, as I mentioned earlier, were asking for a group that was addressing these issues. And we had a woman who was 92 in our group whose daughter recently passed from early onset Alzheimer's disease. And at the same time of the daughter's passing, her husband, who was 94, it was a practicing physician and researcher. He ended up having some health challenges. He had several bouts of pneumonia. So she was dealing with the loss of the daughter and the potential seriousness of her husband's condition. And both of them are, are active, brilliant minds. And she was talking about the healing that she needed to go through from both traumas. But she said something very endearing in the group and that she just wants to go out of here completely wrung out. You know, she wants life to just wring her out, to give all all that she can give. And I thought that was a lovely vision. Yes. And, you know, I, I want to just take a minute to talk about the fact that not everybody goes out of here feeling wrung out or complete or, you know, thrilled or as if they accomplished everything they wanted to accomplish. And I think it's important to for people to be able to be complete with their lives, no matter what they've done or not done. And um, we, we do a lot of comparison of ourselves against how we think our lives should be and how our deaths should be. And uh, I think this is another opportunity for us to um, to be present with who we really are and not who we thought we should have been and to, to really be gentle with ourselves and forgive ourselves. And death is, for me, that's just such an opportunity to, it's to, to take, to do that exercise, with that practice. I'd rather call it a practice. It's something I think we should be doing all the time. Well, certainly the awareness of the 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 timestamp, you know, like on the milk carton, yeah. <laughs> is yeah, is helpful. <laughs> you know, like it's not going to last forever. And how do we want to show up for life? I think also yeah. helps us sh- show up, albeit kicking and screaming for some of us. Some of us will go more gracefully and naturally, but I think that it's the showing up for life helps us segue into the showing up for the final destination. Right. You know, I, I remember when I was a kid, all of a sudden one day I had this thought, you know, maybe when a baby's being born, it thinks it's dying because, you know, they go, it's been really comfortable in there and warm and everything's been easy and relaxed and food's coming in and, all of a sudden, things start getting really uncomfortable, and there's a lot of pressure, and some ladies screaming, and you know that <laughs> this baby probably thinks it's dying. Um, and 
but we know on this side, we know that the baby's coming into this wonderful opportunity. And who knows that it, that it isn't that way when we're dying. We think it's the end and, and we, we're, we're fearful of it. But maybe there are people on the other side to welcome us. I'm not sure what I believe and I'm not saying what I think people should believe, but I always think it's good to look at possibilities. And um, just to start saying how we want it to be, because there's so much about death that we can control. We, we tend to think that we have no control over death, and I think that's part of the reason we don't like to talk about it. We, we think that we're kind of the victims of it. But once we start talking about it, it becomes we, we get a different relationship with it, and we find out there are things that we can say that we want and things that we can set up. And I don't mean just estate planning, although that's very important. But, you know, letting people know how you want to die and what you want to have done with your body. These are kind of icky conversations for a lot of people. But guess what? It makes the whole process so much easier for your loved ones. And uh, that's, that's a really important part about dying and people's fear of dying is leaving the people behind if they know that you're happy and you're complete they're going to be a lot less upset and a lot less grief stricken than if there's anything incomplete well and that goes back to uh, a theme that i hear very strongly from you and i think in your work is that sense of completeness to be able to say what needs to be said you know with our loved ones to have those uh relationships you know, sealed, perhaps they're not as bonded or as close as we would have hoped with some people, but certainly that the, the, the reckoning or the reconciliation is important. Right. If nothing else, forgiveness of them and ourselves. Ah, forgiveness. Now this is, this is a big word. (laughs) The F word. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's the F word. That's the other F word, forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And this this is really uh, complicated for some people. Why should I forgive so-and-so when he or she did this or that? Right. Why? And what good? What good is it going to do me? I have a thought about that. It's It's not necessarily because they deserve it, forgiveness but because I deserve peace. Yes. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I feel about it. I mean, I'm the one carrying around the resentment or the grudge or whatever, the anger. And when I can forgive, then I'm the one who's going to feel that relief and release. Well, you know, if we imagine our emotions take up mass, you know, or they hold capacity in our minds and in our bodies, if it's occupied by resentments, you know, and judgments and the negative emotions and discomfort that most of us actually claim that we want to run away from, that we, you know, we want happiness, we want pleasure, we want contentment and peace. If we start working with those parts of ourselves and forgiveness being a big big one of them. And yes, I agree with you, forgiveness of ourself as well as the others. It makes space for something yeah. else to come in. Right. And uh, it, and if we don't, it, uh, it can lead to bad chemistry in the body, which can lead to other things. So 
Yes. Lots well, that's of practical true. reasons. <laughs> yeah, lots of practical reasons to uh, get get right with yourself and, and, and others in the world that, that maybe have uh, held us back, you know, from, from being our best or being our most contented selves. And that really speaks to also the metaphoric death of letting go uh, of something that has no uh, value in our life any longer, you know, emotionally. Yes. Yeah. When, when I think when one becomes really clear that this, this is it, this life is going to end, whether no matter what happens afterwards, this particular life is going to end. We don't know when. And that's, to me, that's the opportunity is to take that truth and have it influence positively how I live my life. I agree. And I think that is the conversation. When we talk about, you know, dying consciously, it really brings us back to living consciously. And the conversation that can ensue from that dialogue is very rich. And and it can be very funny and life-affirming and amusing and engaging and inspiring. Right. And I want to point out that there are a lot of resources um, for people to engage in this conversation. There, and it's interesting. I think it's because we baby boomers are all uh, approaching late our later youth, and we're we're dealing with this topic, and we're not going to do things the way previous generations did. So, you know, there's something out there called Death Cafe, where people get together and have tea and talk about death. There's Death Over Dinner, there's uh, The Conversation Project, um, there's something called the Twilight Brigade, which I think is a really great organization. They train people to sit with uh, veterans who are dying who don't have anyone else to be with them when they're dying. And they wow. actually give you quite, quite an amazing training about being with people in a difficult situation, which is a great skill anyway. So there are just a lot of resources, a lot of people exploring this now, and I think it's a great, it's a great time to be uh, mortal. <laughs> yes. Oh, how how beautifully put, in such a lovely way to to end the segment. You know, it is a beautiful way to <laughs> to be mortal. And I thank you for joining me in the conversation about the conversation, which some of us find so challenging and difficult to have, and offering perspectives to open up a more heartfelt and honest dialogue with with ourselves and with the people around us. Once again, my guest Amy Wallace is the author of Fear of Death. It's about life, actually. Let's talk about it. You can find out more about her and her work at www.aboutlifeactually.com. And we are out of time. We're going to take a break and come back. And I thank you, Amy, for joining us and and sharing your heart. My pleasure, Lisa. Thank you very much. Thank you. Here come the tunes. We will be back. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. 
Lisa Cypress came and has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download and share this podcast. We're talking about something serious. We're talking about courageously earnest conversations about life and death. And my next guest is Danian Brinkley, who is an internationally renowned speaker and New York Times bestselling author. He is a premier crusader on behalf of hospice and palliative care and is a leading expert on grief and bereavement, as well as a driving force in the integration of complementary and allopathic medicine, especially during end-of-life care. He is the author of three books, having sold more than 20 million copies. He is currently writing his next book, 10 Things to Know Before You Go. Welcome, Daniel. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Lisa. Thank you for having me. Well, I uh, first of all, I want to also mention that you are the son of a World War II veteran, a former Marine yourself, and that you hold our nation's veterans very close to your heart. And in because doing so, in one. 1997, you co-founded the Twilight Brigade. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that and then your own story of being struck by lightning. Okay, let's integrate all three of those. Let's. I grew, I grew, up, a, I grew up a tough guy, you know, and that was my basic southern redneck jackass perspective view, very narrowed and very stupid. And then so a person like me played sports, and so you could hit people, and then became in the Marine Corps where I find absolutely love and paradise because the more you damage someone, the better off you were. And then I came to the place in my life after working in various things like that that I was struck by lightning. And when I was struck by lightning, I was dead for 28 minutes. I was hit in the neck by a bolt of lightning going down my spine. And I was dead for 28 minutes, and in 1975, I had what was called a near-death experience. Well, Raymond Moody had not written his landmark book, and so there was no such thing as the near-death experience. But I had one with no name in South Carolina in 1975 when I was basically a jackass. From that place, it begins to control my life because nobody ever really dies. It's the stupidest, most delusional concept that any human being could possibly believe was possible. From no reason can you find that that is a viable assumption that there is not life after death. But once I had this experience, and it has five or six parts to it, but the most important part was the panoramic life review. 
And if you see your life pass before you in a 360-degree panorama, you watch it from a second-person point of view as if you were your best friend to see how dumb and how smart you are in situations. And then you become every person that you encounter. And you feel the direct results of your interaction between those you and that person. You become them. And all this happens at once. And at the end of it, there is something like this. Everybody's just slightly different because I study this all the time at the bedside in Twilight Brigade. But it's like this. If God could not come today and God sent you and the life you just reviewed, what difference did you and God make? Well, that's been the control driver of my life for the last 40 years. This is how I think. This is how I preference things. This is how I look at it happening in my life. And so from having this near-death experience, I follow the, the panoramic life review as a model for my life. And so the Twilight Brigade came into existence because when my mom left this world, my father was a World War II veteran, and somebody needed to take him to the VA. I took him to the VA, and I discovered the AIDS side. They were an alienated group. 1984 and people who had AIDS and I started looking at what was going on in that room with my with those veterans and it's like PTSD is now and traumatic brain injury today it's the same model and as I watched that I decided that that's what I was going to do I was going to cheer them up and laugh and come in and not put on all that plastic crap and everything because I wasn't kissing and marrying or having sex with any of these guys and I saw the difference that I could make in their lives because my father, he had a few hard times, but most of the time he got handled it, you know, on his own in the VA. So in 1997, I used that I am a veteran. The person I'm trying to save is me. And I identify with everyone in this time period of being veterans. And I look at where this country is and this nation is, and I weave my life in knowing that I'm a spiritual being. And it's undoubtedly without any question, no matter what anybody thinks, if you think you're not a spiritual being, you are a fool. So I get past that because I had two more of these. I got struck by lightning again in April of 1970 and May of 1978 because that means I didn't get it the first time and they needed to tighten me up. It didn't (laughs) kill me. What? It didn't kill me, but it made me realize that I was getting angry. I was getting angry at the injustice and the lying deception that we've created as a reality in this dimensional plane that we call the Earth. And I decided I needed to do something about it. So I turned the Toilet Brigade into an entity so that it could bring people, and I could train people in a program that's put together by me and other people, my little team, that helps you deal with the issues of end of life and, most importantly, as a caregiver. And as a caregiver, I saw that that was the greatest chance that I could put by the bedside of someone in transition, an art form that I learned from going through the Panoramic Life Review. Mm. And so how I fund it is I write books about what I see and what I do. You know, it's not overwhelming when people say, Daniel, you're so courageous and all that crap. But I'm not so courageous and all that crap. I'm just smart. I had to have open-heart surgery, and I had a second one of these near-death experiences 13 years later. And then seven years after that, I had brain surgery, all damaged from the lightning, not Mm. me. And so this is the pattern of the joy, thriving happiness that I have. I am a spiritual being, and everybody has a specific purpose on this life. 
And that's what they have. And if they're not recognizing that and understanding that, then this is the mistake that somehow we have allowed something to affect the reality of us as spiritual beings. There's my entire life. I want to share that your nonprofit, the Twilight Brigade, has trained over 6,000 volunteers. Uh, Right over close to 7,000. 7,000 volunteers to be a loving presence um, at the bedside of veterans making their transition. And so there should be no veteran, no one who has served. No one should have to die alone. But in particular... um, sharing with these courageous men and women that we care, that they, that they, they are not alone. That's the most important part. That I is. Mean, that is the that, essence that, of that, life, right? We are yeah, not alone. That, right. I, well, you're, you're not alone until you, you're alone until you pass. Once you lift out of your body, and once you're in what I always call the in-between state because it's a reality whole within itself, it's completely separate. It has, you have thought patterns in it. You know, the things that you understand about your spiritual identity is how you think, what emotion you deal with, what you think, if it's your fear, flight, or uh, fight. You know, but that's how we're, that's how the, this humanoid, the human nature of us is, is, is timed and, and patterned, you know, brainwashed into believing. Mm. Let me ask you a question. Um, why do we fear death so much? Because it's structural, institution, religions. Uh, governments, you know, the Holy Roman Catholic Church was a was an art form of governing by to take play, pagan places and to turn them into religious symbols. And then the, they learned in the early 500s, uh, uh, I think it was the Edict of Milan, that the human nature of people had to be subjugated because they were free spirits, and if they just looked at the world as it was, and they were enterprising. I mean, they created. But if you control the end of their life, then you can structure guilt. And guilt is an emotional and thought pattern. And then you control them uh, both uh, governmentally, religiously, and then the institutions between the two become the art form or program pattern of the people like we are today. If one is to hold space or be a midwife, for example, which is one of the images that I I, I see um, being with somebody at the end of their life. How could you coach us to do that gracefully? What? You got no choice. Shut up. I mean, you know, the average life expectancy of a male in America is 75.4 years, and the average life expectancy of a female in America is 81.2. Okay, well, guess what? Everybody's going to go through what they call death, but it just never happens. It's it's an illusion. <laughs> we mm. built our entire perspective of who we are on the earth as fools. <laughs> we're, spirit, we're spiritual beings. Get over it. And now look at yourself from a spiritual point of view. And if God couldn't come today and God sent you, and that don't, it's whatever that divine loving presence is. You know, whatever if you have is this a divine, it could be your mother or your grandmother or however how you define a loving presence that was yours. You know, if that if that was the purpose, then what did the two accomplish that day? Well, I do hospice. I get up every morning knowing that because I get up this morning, a veteran won't die alone somewhere in America. And I know that for a fact. 
because I have the toilet brigade. And then I have to get up and make a living and be whoever it is necessary and run a business. Yeah. All of this is a, is one of three parts in my life. You know, and I have a life like everybody does, but as a spiritual being, I can section them. I can look at them very consciously. I can interact to see if they work. If they fail, then I'm not a spiritual being, and I'm going to die and go to heaven or hell. But I know better. After three of these experiences, and they were how you describe them and look at them from my own personal, as I sit quietly by myself, it's damned amazing from what you think you are here on this earth to who you really are. And instead of being angry and all that stuff like I was in the beginning, I think it's funny. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I I like your approach very much. I mean, it, it is it is very liberating. We're going to go to a break. And when we come back, we're going to carry on the conversation with Danny and Brinkley. The books are The Secrets of the Light and his newest book, which will be out soon, is 10 Things to Know Before You Go. To connect, please visit www.dannyanandcatherinebrinkley.com. On Facebook, the page is Danian Brinkley, and on Twitter, that handle is at Danian and the letter N, Catherine. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back, and that is a promise. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Are you or do you know a returning U.S. military man or woman in need of restoring joy in their lives? Did you know that our nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, offers stigma-free combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration programming? Check us out at www.hh4heroes.org. That's HH, the number four, and heroes.org. Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. I am in delight spending my time with Danian Brinkley, who is walking his talk. He is the author of The Secrets of the Light and his new book, 10 Things to Know Before You Go. He is the co-founder of the Twilight Brigade, a nonprofit organization that has trained over 7,000 volunteers to be a loving presence at the bedside of veterans making their transition. So, Daniel, prior to the break, you were telling us your stories of being struck by lightning three times Having an open heart surgery. I was struck by that... lightning once, two times. First two one times. killed me, and the second one, yeah, 19, 
1975 struck by lightning, and 1978. But the second time was just... uh, I was talking on the telephone, and it knocked me against the wall and threw me into the window. And I knocked the window frame out of the house into the yard. I mean, so it was, I guess it wasn't nailed as well as it should, but I was probably out for 45 minutes. Wow. And I, but these, these are your wake-up calls, right? Well, it's, hey, stupid. <clears throat> I have a very gaily playful, loving relationship with the divine. And all the times and every time I've been to the heavens, no matter how analytically analytically it was as I was looking at it all three times, and I've had years to think about it. And this happened to me over a 22-year period in my life. It's not like it's just all jumbled up. It has structure to it because I can watch it from there. And so as I have that, that place that I could view from death, and by focusing my life in palliative and end-of-life care, I could back-engineer health care. And so as I've been driven to do this using the 12 brigade and my obsessive-compulsive personality, Kat said, so when it says Daniel and Catherine, Kat says, look, you, you have this wisdom, and I see it, and I do. She sees what I do and how I do it, and she says, you have this way about you. Although you're a little crazy, you have this way about you, and you steady at what you said you were going to do from the first day. Okay, and I'm closing. <laughs> I you know, knew it would t- I thought it would take 32 years, and it's taken 40. Well, you know, this, these things are a process. But, what you know, I, I want to just go back to what you're saying about your wife saying that you're crazy. I think normal is highly overrated. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay, I mean, she loves me, so whatever she says doesn't really matter to me. I mean, I love her, and all that tweet and all that Instagram and all that stuff that she's doing and creating the membership, she's creating this membership, and it's he said, she said. You know, oh. the the blending of the two people in an, an identity, and she's molding this based on the new book, and I'm proud of her. I mean, she's brilliant at being the best partner I ever had. You know, and if I'm lucky enough to have the best partner, that means everybody's that lucky because nobody's different from me. (laughs) You know, everybody's a spiritual being, so shut up and start thinking like one. So let's talk about the new book, 10 Things to Know Before You Go. Give us a couple of tips. Well, what are some some more things we need to know besides that we're spiritual beings? Well, no, you don't need it. Once you start there, if you start there, you, then you start a psychological nature to disprove it. You know, this is how I get where I go. You know, I trust in what I see and believe, but I have to have ways to believe in it because I'm obsessive compulsive, and I'll analyze it in ways that people don't really understand, and I'll come at it and research it. And so I come, come to my conclusions based on having experienced it, then looking how it manifests into this reality, and then what can I do about it? Well, if I was going to change the world of medicine and give people an identity of, identity of themselves spiritually, I would have created the Twilight Brigade. And then I would have created a program that interconnected with the National Institutes for Health. And that's the Twilight Brigade. And then I helped. I was at the very beginning of the development of the National Institutes Health for Complementary and Alternative Medical Policy. So that means that what I said I was going to do 40 years ago, I would structure a methodology by which to accomplish it. So I was at the beginning of the National Institute for Health at the Chantilly Report, which was the groundbreaker that brought into existence 
and I served it for nine years, so I know about integrative medicine in the world of allopathic science. So talk a little bit about some of these things that we need to know, both as caregivers and the loved ones. That's an excellent question. And the world at large. I mean, we've got to change how we look at ourselves, because if you look at yourself spiritually, everything becomes a job, and it becomes something to overcome that you had created in your life when you came here to adjust to it. That fact that this, you didn't come into existence till you were born is the most ridiculous thing anybody could say. <laughs> it's ridiculous. You can't even find a reason anywhere that gives it any validity based on who that child grows up to become and do and what they do in their lives. So when I decide to write 10 things to know before you go, you know, because I always make fun of things, you know, I don't I don't go to that scary place when I see the horrors of, of how we die in America today. And it was always what I thought, that palliative and end-of-life care would be the place that you would become an expert. Because if you were an expert there, then the voice that you had would be listened to. Okay, so if I am this person that's really done all this stuff, which is true, then I would create a membership. Well, I wouldn't. Catherine would. I mean, she comes up with stuff like that. I would have never thought about all that stuff you said at the close of this last segment if you you had not brought up all the ways that she's creating for people to get to us. And of that, I'm really proud because I can help people. You know, yes. I'm not afraid of death or any of that stuff. I'm I'm not even afraid of the pain that you go through as you begin to face death because I've already done it. You know, this is not like a, I'm not making this up as I go. I mean, I've been here 40 years, and I've been doing the same thing for 40 years based on the same things I said 40 years ago that happened to me in the near-death experience and what I learned from the other two. But I didn't say it was comfortable moments. Heading into it and coming out of it. Come on, kids. Don't try to tell me. You know, don't. I'm not a philosophical. I'm philosophical, but it's not that I have not been the person that I'm describing who we all are, and I have faced every fear of the horror of death four times now in 66 years. So, is what you're saying is fear not? It 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 is is just another step on the journey. That's what it is, but you've got to put it into perspective, Lisa. Put it into perspective, because why decide to write 10 things to know? Watch this. Here's my sense of humor. The first page, it says, what's the number one cause of death in America and most other countries? Big question mark. And I, right. You know, turn to the next page. It says, no matter what you believe, birth is the number one cause of death. <laughs> The beginning of the end, right? (laughs) Well, got it. That's the number one cause of death, period, no question (laughs) about it. So you turn to the next page, and it says, remember, if you're breathing, if you're breathing, then uh, you need this book. If you just took a breath, this book is for you. And then I go through looking at how I came to see so people how I came to see the points of views that I have because I'm very down to earth I'm not crazy or woo woo or and I don't operate like that or think like that I operate based on that I've been dead <laughs> and been through two more near death experiences and after that everything everybody thinks about that stuff I start out thinking it's funny 
not whether to engage it, because no matter what, I have a measurement to see if you're telling the truth or not and how much you believe in what you're telling me by looking at myself. So these 10 things, they're, they're rhetorical. Well, they're funny. Yeah. Everybody's got to shake it off. We're in a transitional period on the earth, and it's a cycle, and the Maya talk about it, and, and there's like 25 mystical attachments to this, this time period, the 2012, uh, December 21st, 2012, and the marker that that uses all over the world, and the Mayas are some of the best at it. And the the birth of a new a reality's coming started in 2008. It'll be here next year. And and it's, this is how it all works. You know, what we're entering a new world. There's a new world that's going to be created. This world that we think we live in, that's in the 50s and 60s of America, in their big period after the war, that period is not here anymore. Yeah, it's so, true. So it's exciting that the end of an era, no such thing as the end of time, but the end of an era is upon us as human beings, and that's it. Look at our business. Look at the world. Look at the presidential candidates. Look at the EU. Look at the war. The Pope calls it World War Three. The Pope said we're in World War Three. I don't know what people start to think when they hear that, but religiously... And in the most of the powers, when you start talking about the battle for the souls of men and humankind, and when the Pope says it as he and falls down, come on, give me a break. Pay attention, everybody. The game's afoot. Mm. So how to maneuver through that? But how to maneuver through that, Lisa? From listening to what people say when they're in transition. I study the last minutes and hours of a person's life. I mean, I'm a good caregiver. I am really good. I'm, I am terrific as a caregiver because I know what to do because I'm not afraid of what's next. So yeah. I want to create a way through the, what Kat is doing with the membership. You know, she just comes up with this stuff. What she was doing with the membership and how to drive people to the membership and creating a pattern which is growing, that people can attach to. You know, can come and, I mean, I think it's like $10 a month, and you can come and you can live in this world that I live in and see that you are really a spiritual being. In the story, come on, everybody. Let's get in order at the right time, at the right place, because no matter what, the period of change is upon us. We owe $20 indeed, trillion. Dollars. Indeed. Danian, we are out of time, and I need to... Share where people can find you. Your website is www.danianandcatherinebrinkley.com. On Facebook, that page is Danian Brinkley. On Twitter, the handle is at Danian and the letter N, Catherine. So it's at Danian and Catherine. The book that is in the making, 10 Things to Know Before You Go and Secrets of the, the Secrets of the Light, they can also be found at the website. And here are a few thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. Happiness simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and my guest today, 
Danny and Brinkley and Amy Wallace, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio is produced in collaboration with TogiNet and KBUU and is available on PRX, the public radio exchange. Go out and rock your day. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress Kamen. Join us each and every Wednesday for a brand new broadcast and continue to harvest your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with hundreds of free downloadable podcasts from our libraries on iTunes and SoundCloud. To learn more about Lisa's global practice as an applied positive psychology coach specializing in lifestyle management as well as addiction and trauma recovery services, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook Facebook at Harvesting Happiness, following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen, and tweeting us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness.